Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. If you just look around at the state of affairs at times, it's like, man, oh man, what's, what's the world coming to? Well, I'll tell you what the world's coming to. is coming to the second return of Jesus Christ. That's what the world is coming to. And uh, we get to be right in the middle of it, get to be part of it. But as followers of Jesus in the middle of this, um, there's, uh, this is going to be a pastoral message. This is just something I want to share with you. Yeah, we're in, speaking in, an, in a public uh, forum here, but I really want to speak to you just one-on-one, that uh, God has a way so that Fear will not be the emotional state of your mind and of the emotional state of how you are living and how you're watching and how you're observing and how you're doing the things that you do. And not just from the the news cycle, but all of us face things that are more than what we have the ability to contend with, right? There are always things that uh, we're needing God to help us with. Many times there are things that we absolutely need a miracle for us to, you know, move forward and move ahead. But that's the God that we serve. I'm still believing that the book of Acts is still being written. Come on, somebody say amen. That God is still uh, the same God now that he was then. When we read about all those mighty acts and we hear about the revivals that had happened then and since then, that Lord, uh, as followers of Jesus, we've been called to, to a life that's dominated by faith and not fear. Somebody say, yes, Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is that awesome regard for God and who He is and His great love for us. That's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fear and the dread that comes where you think, what's going to happen next? How are we, how are we going to get through this? The fear that dominates the world, the fear, of, the fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man becomes a snare. Christians live above being afraid of man and what man can do to them. The fear of the unknown, we all contend with that on all, you know, basically all of our days on life. But God knows what's ahead. Even though we don't, He knows what tomorrow holds. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. And He's in charge of what tomorrow holds for us. The fear of the future, the fear of sickness. A number of years ago, is um, preaching something along these lines and... and um, there was a doctor in, in the church, and he was a good friend of, of ours, actually, and, and um, uh, I had no idea what he was uh, dealing with it in his own personal life. I knew his practice and went to him, actually, and, and uh, I mentioned something that somebody's dealing with, uh, they're afraid of, of having cancer or, or, you know, coming down with cancer, and he, this, this big old strong man, this highly educated man, he just started breaking down and crying, and and um, through, the, uh, uh, through the altar call, I finally went to him and said, hey, what's going on? He said, the one who's afraid of getting cancer, he said, it's me. He said, I see it every day and I deal with it and I'm afraid. And I just, we just began to re- uh, stand with him in love and rebuke that. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's easy to look at people and think, well, they will surely wouldn't deal with the same things I deal with. Guess what? We all deal with the same things that everybody else deals with. But thank God we all have the same Savior. The fear of death. 
uh, as followers of Christ, these fears are to have no effect upon us. It's not that they're not there. It's just as believers, we, uh, through God's help and through his presence and through his word and through his anointing, we rise above that fear, that uh, we live a fearless life when we live in a world that's dominated by fear. I believe it's one of the things that the Holy Spirit uses to be an attraction of those that are living without God to be attracted towards those that are living with God is when they see that we live a life that is not ordered, mandated, and controlled by fear. But we live a life, maybe we don't have all the answers, and, and we have the answers of eternal life, but we don't have all the answers to how things operate. But yet in the midst of that, we're fearless in it. The Apostle Paul, much of what I'll be saying today, I'll be taking from, uh, from his epistles. And the Apostle Paul was a man who was fearless. I mean, he was one of those guys, when you go through and he tells about his life after being uh, converted, I mean, he was beaten multiple times. They left him for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by serpents. I'd almost take any other beating that happened to him than be getting bit by a serpent. But all of those things happened to him. And yet in the middle of it, he just kept on pressing and pushing and plowing on. It wasn't because of his personality. It was because of the person that was living inside of him. It was because of his commitment to Jesus Christ. And so we find... uh, over in 2 Timothy, and I want you to turn over there to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start reading the, uh, a few verses there, and um, we'll pick it up in the middle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. You have that same promise, not just promise of this life, but promise of eternal life. And so he says to Timothy, a beloved, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, And Christ Jesus, our Lord, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Hang on to that one. We'll come back to it. He said, I pray for you night and day, greatly desiring you. He's talking to his young son in the Lord, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. This young man, Timothy, Paul knew Apparently knew things that he didn't even deal with in letter, but he knew there were things that were breaking Timothy's heart. And here the old apostle was telling him, I love you, son. I'm praying for you night and day. I can't wait to see you again. Just in those statements of faith, what happens with fear? It diminishes, right? It gets less. It gets smaller. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Greatly desiring to see you, verse 4, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded it's in you also. Everyone needs a father like that, don't they? A spiritual father like that. I believe in you. I know your heritage. I know something of where you came from. Timothy had a good, uh, a good uh, upraising Maybe you didn't. Doesn't matter. Somebody needs to love you and does love you and will call out the gold within your life. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Somebody say, thank you, God. But of power, you can quote it, but of power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord 
The testimony of Jesus will bring boldness in your life, not shame. Nor of me, his prisoner. Paul wasn't riding a limousine and had many mansions here in this world. He was a prisoner for Jesus. He said, don't be ashamed of me. He said, I'm a prisoner because of Jesus. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. God has a purpose for you today. Point to somebody and say, God has a purpose for you today. He has a purpose for you today. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, God has a purpose for you today. And grace, which was given to us in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Thank you, Jesus. Eternal death is what he's talking about. And brought life eternal life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. What I'm hoping the Holy Spirit does and believing and trusting Him that He will, He has the capacity and the will to do it, is to persuade you as well. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed to him until this day. I'm going to give you a few ideas that I think will help you live above not only the fears of our days, but the fears that come, that are common to man. We all uh, face them because we're all uh, born and shaped in iniquity, the Bible says. We all have flesh that is weak. We all have those things that, that only the, the Lord can help and, and strengthen, but he has promised that he will help and strengthen. So here, the old apostle and the beloved son. We see the first step in living a fearless life. And I mentioned it, I was, I was reading, is that uh, the first step. If, do you know who's praying for you? Do you have anybody praying for you? No, that, that good answer. There's my theologian wife right there. Why? He's there behind the, beside the right hand of God making intercession for you. Amen. Hadn't thought about that one. Should have probably. <laughs> Say, God, thank, thank God for the preacher's wife helping the, the preacher out. But beyond that, who's, do you have somebody praying for you? If you don't, you need to get somebody praying for you. Well, how do I do that? Ask. The power of invitation, I believe in it. Jesus used it all the time. It's all through the Bible. He said, you have not because you ask not. We, we know that that's uh, of God, of course. But it also works on the horizontal level. Uh, if you don't have somebody that you know is praying for you, you need to find somebody. Ask somebody. Ask somebody that you know is a prayer warrior. They're probably already praying for others. Ask them to put you on their list. Amen. There's a prayer meeting that goes on here on Saturday. If you don't know who's in there, find out who's in there. One of them will pray for you if you ask. I guarantee it. That's their heart. That's their ministry. I know, and it's one of the, it's one of the greatest privileges I have. I know just because of the office that I hold that people pray for me. Thank you for your prayers. Don't stop praying for me. As a matter of fact, kick your prayers up, okay? <laughs> 
If you're praying a little bit, pray more for the pastor, for the preacher. Pray for each other. That's what we're called to do. And, and Paul was letting Timothy know, listen, son, I know your heritage. I know where you come from. I know your calling. I know what you're going through. And I pray for you night and day. I don't ever stop praying for I think of you all the time. You need somebody like that in your life. You can't, you can never underestimate the power and the impact of people praying for you. As a matter of fact, we are to pray for the brotherhood, the Bible talks about, and we're to pray for one another. We're to edify one another. And if you don't know what to pray for, begin to uh, bring to memory people within your church, people within your family, people, uh, you know, uh, people of faith, and begin to pray for them, particularly if you're uh, if you've got some decades and days in the Lord and some time in the Lord, begin to put some those younger converts and younger believers on your prayer list and pray for them. As a matter of fact, uh, ladies, you need to have a daughter in the Lord. Men, you need to have a son in the Lord. You need to find one. If you can't find one, then lead somebody to Jesus. They'll be your son or they'll be your daughter. Then you train them and equip them and you pray for them. That's what Paul was doing. You reproduce after your own kind. Many people go about and they, they kind of believe what they've been told. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just not really much. I just go to church and that's all. I, that's, a, that's a lie from the enemy. That's how You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are an eternal uh, being that has all the authority of heaven backing you. And God will uh, do greater things through you than you ever imagined. Find yourself a son. Find yourself a daughter and start speaking and pouring into them. That's just my advice for the day, but I know that it will go, it will go long within building the kingdom. It will go long within building you. I had several fathers in the Lord, and Brother Maul was one of them, but I had several others, and I cannot tell you the impact that these men of God who were older than I was, who were more mature than I was, who I respected and I uh, saw and recognized the call and touch of God on their, on, on their lives. When I understood that they cared for me and loved me and wanted to see me somehow make something in the kingdom more than what I would do on my own, it just, it just put like cement down in the foundation of my life. You can be that for somebody. Do it. Do you have somebody praying for you? Also, just as importantly, who are you praying for? A couple things. God will lay somebody on your heart to pray for. Your prayer life doesn't and shouldn't consist of just praying, oh, God, please help me. I have a lot of needs. <laughs> oh, he knows what you, what you need, and he, he hears you and all of that. I'm not discounting that. But listen, it would be great to start out your prayer life worshiping and exalting God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. And then in there, instead of just praying for you and your own needs and your own circle and your own concerns, start praying for somebody else and believe God that you'll see the evidence of your prayers being answered in their lives. That's what the kingdom is all about. And that's what Paul was was um, uh, modeling. The first step in, in fearless living is who's praying for you and who are you praying for? Fear dies in the atmosphere of prayer, of prayer born out of remembrance. This is one way to know who to pray for. He said, and without ceasing, verse 3, and without, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. 
somehow when Paul was praying, the Holy Spirit would bring Timothy into his, into his mind and into his remembrance. So when you're praying and you're calling out to God and somebody just happens to pop into your mind, don't just say, oh, Lord, I'm going to put those on the side. I'll call them. No, begin to pray for them, okay? How many have heard the testimonies? Somebody was facing an impossible situation and some other Christian, maybe on the whole other side of the globe, uh, they came up in their memory and they began to pray for them. And it just so happened that on the time they were praying, the miracle broke through for them. Happens all the time. Pray for them. Who are you praying for? This fearless uh, uh, release of the Holy Spirit is, is, is so much born out of the prayers of remembrance. Fear dies in that. Whenever, you, whenever you're recalling somebody and the Holy Spirit's bringing them into your heart, it's, it literally diminishes what the enemy can do within them. It's powerful and it's amazing how it happens. Fear fades in the understanding that you have a gift from God in you. So Paul was dealing with uh, Timothy, and I'm not going to go into, you know, what I think were some of the things going on, but he was saying, he said, I, I remember your tears. He said, I know your family. I know what you came from. I knew your grandma. I knew your mom. I was there when we laid hands on you, Timothy, and I, I pray for you. But he was telling him, listen, uh, you need to know that God has put gifts in you. Fear fades in the understanding that you have a gift from God in you. You know, some of the things that you go through, whether they, you want to call them the attacks of enemy or just the processes of living life, where, wherever that may fall on the spectrum, do you know that, um, that uh, some of that is, is just trying to come against the gift of God that God placed in you so that you'll take a step back rather than a step ahead? Yes. Fearless living isn't just living on the defense. Fearless living is living on the offense for the kingdom. I'm involved in his kingdom advancing. There's less of me and more of him. But uh, that uh, fear, when you realize what God has done in your life, that he paid a price that's immeasurable for you, and that's the main part, but also he's put giftings and callings and purposes upon your life. The enemy wants to shut that down as much as he can, and he'll use any tactic that he can. And so oftentimes, whenever you come up under an attack of the enemy, you need to understand, this is coming against what God wants to do, not just in me, but through me. And I'm not going to give the devil one, one inch of ground in my life. I'm going to accomplish what I know God wants to do in me. And we'll get to that at the end where Paul talked about that. I want to take this next thought and drive it home. The power of close contact prayer is what I call it. Verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God. And we'll focus on that. That's where most of the focus comes in when dealing with this verse. We just talked a little bit about the gift of God which is in you. But this type of prayer, there's all kinds of prayer. This is another type of prayer. And it has to deal directly with, and, uh, when we jump into verse 7 in just a moment, it has to deal with living fearless and bold in your life. This, this, this gift, this impartation that came into your life, that came to you through this close contact prayer, through this laying on of hands prayer. If you've never had prayer where somebody's laid hands on you and prayed, you need to have it. Oftentimes it happens whenever someone's praying for you, if you're sick, maybe you'll answer an altar call or something or ask, 
be in a prayer meeting or somewhere and, 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 and that comes out that you're needing a touch in your body and they'll sometimes anoint you with oil or people will touch you and lay their hands on you. Listen, that's not just a, a, a church protocol. That's a, that's a Bible priority, the laying on of hands. Yeah, I think you need to know those that are laying hands on you. Uh, I think you need to be aware of, of uh, not just uh, taking that lightly, but uh, there are times whenever you need to have close contact prayer. A uh, number of years ago, uh, the Spirit of God really began to deal with me about this. And I'd seen it, I'd heard messages about it, and the amazing thing was when I heard the messages about it, it was, oh, woe unto me, Lord, that's, I'm, doing, I'm doing that. And it was this. People bring a need to you, just talking, conversation. Boy, I'm filling the blanks. Boy, I'm struggling. I'm needing a job. I'm need. I'm just whatever it is. It doesn't matter what the uh, what the what the need is. The fact that somebody's sharing or talking to you about it. And uh, oh man, I'll pray for you. I'll keep you in my prayers. Have a great day. See you next week. Holy Spirit began to deal with me in private about that. Now he's, my dad was a hard man, and uh, so I don't look at God as a hard God, but I've got no problem being able to connect with God that uh, he will call me up when I need to be called up. Had some experience with father figures doing that, and I knew they loved me, and that's why they did it, and I know God loves me, and that's why he'll do it sometime. Somebody meant something. I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. God bless you. And then I walked away. And I felt the Holy Spirit just dealing with me. I'm not saying he's going to do this with you. But he just, I was walking away. He said, don't ever do that again. I said, was that you, Lord? He just said, no, that was, that was you, Lord. <laughs> it was him. Yeah. And I said, God, help me. Because I get spiritual ADD sometimes, man. I'm just here and then I'm, you know. But when somebody's talking to you about their life, you need to check everything else aside. And when it comes and you say, I'll pray for you. Now, if you don't feel like praying for them, that's up to you. But if, you, if, you, if it comes out, I'll pray for you. You need it at that moment. And probably some of you know, this is what I do. I just developed. I'll stretch my hands out. <laughs> How many have had me do that to you? A few of you have. And if they don't know what I'm doing, I just stretch my hands out and I look at their hands. And then by that point, they get the message. And we'll take hands together. And then I just begin to pray. Not big, not big fancy prayers, not bold, but prayer. Begin to ask God, God, work, do, have your will, have your way. Call upon them. There's something happens when you lay hands, when there's a touch applied. Aren't you glad that Jesus is not afraid to touch you? Well, I've never felt Jesus touch you. Well, wait a second. The Word says this. He not only touches you, He lives inside you. His very presence is inside you. He's touching you all the time. Your body is a temple. Matter of fact, the Bible says your body, go like this, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's always in contact. He's not afraid to touch you. I remember during COVID, thank God that's over. Oh, it's still around, but you know what I'm talking about. I remember being in church and 
we were pastoring in Texas then. Texas isn't Washington, but still Texas had dealing with And so I can't remember now, but we had all the chairs had six feet, you know. And people came in, and, and I get it, I understand. I, you know, they, they just kind of came in all cocooned up. I'm not here to talk about mass. You know what I'm talking about. Almost afraid. Finally, it came, I don't know, a few months in. I just said, we're done. (laughs) If you're afraid to be close to people, you know, go stand in the corner. We put the chairs back together. If you want to wear a mask, absolutely wear a mask. I got no problem with that. But this whole thing, we're not going to let the fear of being around. I took some heat over it. You know the ones who needed it most? The widow ladies. They were sick and tired of nobody hugging on them. It wasn't the families. It wasn't with mom and dad with five kids crawling all over them. It was the widow ladies. Said, okay, church, it's okay. We can hug each other again. Have your candle lights off if you need be. Spray the atmosphere and then whatever. But uh, um, the point I'm trying to make is when it got back to the laying on of hands, something shifted. Did anybody get COVID? Probably. I don't know. Anybody died from it? I don't think so. And I'm not making light of of anything of that. But the point I'm trying to make is the power of close contact. The the kingdom is is meant to come in contact with us. And part of that is through uh, the fellowship of believers. Paul later said that don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because we need to be together. to preach a whole message on what happens in close contact prayer. The day of Pentecost came because of close contact prayer. Peter's deliverance from prison came as a result of close contact prayer. Do you want me to go on? I can keep going on until I run out of time. Uh, Jacob, seeing the ladders and the angels ascending and descending, came in a time of close contact with God. And you just go on and on. Do you know, there was, I can't remember, was it Elisha the prophet? He was buried, he was thrown in a, in a grave, in an open hole, basically. And another guy died and they were being pursued and they threw him in and when his body touched the bones of the prophet, he resurrected. Incredible, powerful story. Contact. Jesus resurrected, post-resurrection, when, the, when Mary saw him, she came and he said, don't touch me, my time has not come. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't established, oh, don't touch. It's just that Jesus knew that whenever touch was made, something happened. And at that point, there were still some things that needed to take place. Maybe today you need some hands laid on you in prayer. Then Paul told him, verse 7, said, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I think is that coming through the house? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think that it was no mistake 
that at the end of verse 6, he's talking about having this close contact. In the beginning of verse 7, he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit that does not come from God. Oh, pastor, I get afraid at times. Does that mean I'm demon-possessed? No, it doesn't. It's not what I'm saying. I am saying this, you're human. Welcome to the human race. (laughs) It was so funny. One of my best friends, I've known him for 50 plus years. We pastored together. We, every week for decades and decades, either on Friday or Saturday, one of us will call the other and we preach our message to each other. (laughs) And we love each other. And the other day, somehow we were, it wasn't out of this message, but we were talking and he said, man, I'm, I'm not afraid of anything. And literally two days later, he was telling me something that he was really concerned and worried about and afraid of. <laughs> and I said, well, man, I thought one of your points in that message was, and he goes, oh, just shut up and leave me alone. And uh, I'm just talking about, hey, it happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. But it doesn't come from God. But I do believe this. When, when, when that thing that causes fear in you shows up, I believe that is the most opportune time to watch for the Spirit of God to show up. Because He hasn't given you that. I think it's over in Job, the third chapter, somewhere along there. You know, Job lost everything. Job lost his family. I mean, Job, it was the book of Job, right? First couple chapters, it's tragic. And then his friends were kind of telling him what they thought of things. And then finally in the third chapter, thereabouts, uh, Job begins to, you know, his heart. And his heart was, man, I, I, I lament the day I was born. I mean, things were going bad. And then somewhere within there, he said, the thing that I fear greatly has come upon me. Fear is an attractant, not only of disaster, but fear is an attractant of God. He'll show up. You ever hear of foxhole, foxhole conversions? <laughs> Many a young soldier in the heat of battle found the Lord on the battlefield when he thought death was just one shell away. Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor, the terrorist to the new church in the book of Acts on his way to go persecute another church. The Holy Spirit visited him, knocked him off of his horse and onto the ground. He was blinded. The soldiers that were around him were, 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 were blinded. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And at that moment, there was a fear that came upon him. And, and, and uh, it, it It was a fear of the unknown that was going on. But the whole point was, is that God showed up in the middle. He needed to get his attention. And when he did, Saul said yes. Sometimes what the enemy means to do harm to you, in the very middle of it, God will show up and use it and turn your whole life around. And instead of the enemy winning, Jesus wins. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Some of you were saved just that way. Three components from God that crush fear. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but three things. God's given us power and love and a sound mind. Three components from God that crush fear, power. The Holy Spirit presence in your life. 
all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit shows up, all kinds of things that happen. But I think um, it would just a, a little study of the Scripture will find out that there's the fruit of the Spirit, that is those things that are produced in you when the Holy Spirit is given His way in your life, and there are the gifts of the Spirit. And the whole point of it is, is that when this power comes, this word is the same word that's used over in Acts chapter 2. It's the word dunamis. That is, when God comes upon you, and He's dealing with you about how for you to rise above fear, there will be a dunamis, dynamite, explosive type power that will come upon you, and it is one of the greatest um, it's one of the greatest components to crush fears when you have a sense that God is with you. God will give that to you, especially when you're facing the fire in your life. He will release a power upon you that's fresh and new. Anybody needs some of it today? <laughs> I do. I need it every day, God. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power. Lord, it's not power just for the evangelist to pray for the sick or just for the miracle worker. Every believer from young to old, from uh, been in a long time or just got born again, he will bring his power to bear upon your life. And that power will enable you to rise above fear. And he's given you love. I love uh, this uh, part and and it's, you know, we can expound on a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take a long time, but this, this love, one of the things I was looking at it, and, and I, I, I really appreciated this one, uh, basically, definition of it, this love is the absence, of, the absence of coldness towards. It dispenses fear. So what am I saying? God will show up, and He'll let you know that He's happy to be around you. There's no cold shoulder from the Lord in your life. You know what I'm talking about, about cold shoulder, right? <laughs> I won't ask how many's ever gotten the cold shoulder from somebody because everybody here has gotten the cold shoulder from somebody. I remember that really pretty girl in high school and she just brushed me off like it didn't feel very good. God never does that. He never does that. He never says, you know, son, I'm just too busy. i got to deal with this one over here. I'll get back to you. He never does that. No matter what time and what you're going through, he's always there. He is near unto you, the Bible says, even unto your mouth. What's that mean? Lord, I need you. He's right there. Aren't you glad he doesn't have to think about it where he's going to show up or not? <laughs> What's happening? That's, oh, okay. I love it. Aren't you glad whenever you're about to hit the other car or some tragedy's going to happen, you say, oh, Lord. He doesn't say, well, let me decide if I'm going to show up for work today. No, he's right there. He'll protect you, keep you, watch over you. Love, the absence of coldness towards you. You know, you're the apple of his eye. He loves you so much. He's got a building project going on in heaven with your name on it. That's right. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he loves you so much that Jesus said, where I am, you're going to be there too. He said, I didn't call you servants. I called you friends. It casts out fear. It drives fear out of your life. Aren't you glad when he shows up? High school, I was on the wrestling team, and the captain of the wrestling team, somehow I offended him. Had to do with a girl, I think. I don't know. It's all blurry back there. But he let some of my friends know what he was going to do to me. I was a couple weight classes down below his weight class. 
But I happened to have a friend that was a couple weight classes above his class. His name's Dwayne. He's pastoring right over in Cornelius today. We didn't have cell phones then and all that, but I ran down the halls. I'm looking, and I found my friend Dwayne. I said, Dwayne, I need you at lunch, man. He said, What's, where are we going? I said, oh, it's not, we're not going to the hamburger joint. We're, I need you. And on the way to the car, I let him know, hey, this, this is happening in my life. He laughed at it. I'm like, you don't realize I'm about to be killed. He just laughed. Put his arm around me. Walked out. He walked right up to the wrestling coach. He said, you don't have to beat Gary up. He's never going to do it again. He interceded for me. He showed up on my side. I love Dwayne. To this day, we're still friends, not just because of that. That's what Jesus does when the enemy says, I'm going to come and mess you up. Jesus steps right in and says, wait a second. No, you're, you're not going to mess this one up. No. No, no you're not going to mess this one up. You're going to have to. I'm here and I love him. A sound mind. We'll finish with this. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you power and love. <laughs> Don't look at your neighbor at this. Don't even do it. Don't just. And sound mind. We all have momentary lapses of craziness. Okay. Right. We can all laugh about that. This sound mind. It means to associate with. Kind of like love, but even go beyond. It means to, it means to convene. A sound mind is God's not going to let you alone to try and figure it all out on your own the things that are troubling you, the things that would produce fear in your life, the lack that you don't know how is going to happen, the sickness that you don't know how you're going to get through, the, the relationships that you're not sure how to get healed up and fill in all the blanks of life. He said, I've given you a sound mind. He said, I'm going to associate. That is this. It means I'm going to put my mind in your mind. How many that? At least several times a day. <laughs> it means to convene. I'm going to have a meeting with you right now in the middle of this. And, and the meeting will always go something like this. It's not as bad as it looks right now. We have some good friends in Nashville, Kent and Candy Christmas, and we love them, and they're friends of ours. And we were back there a while back, and I don't know, we were riding around, got talking about life and, you know, preacher talk and all that. And, uh, Kent's wife's name is Candy, and uh, her full name is uh, Carmel Candy Christmas, honest to goodness, that's her name, it's Tennessee, okay, ha <laughs> she looked at me in her southern accents, which I'm not going to try to, to imitate, said, Gary, everything you ever worried about never happened, yeah. never I still hear it in my mind. I still hear it in my mind. Still hear it. It's not that things don't happen, but that when they do happen, it'll be everything you ever worried about. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have to deal with it alone. There's gonna be a convening convention. It means to cohabitate, right? We get that cohabitate, and we hear that, and we always kind of think of a negative thing. But it's part of the sound mind in this way. God will. God's. 
God wants to cohabitate with you. He is cohabitating with you. He's, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's staying with it. And this, is, this is the one I loved. This is the one I love most. And I don't know. Oh, there it is. Uh, depart in company with. You went to the dance with the Lord. He's going to go home with you. He's not going to just leave you standing there all alone. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. That keeps you from going crazy. That keeps your mind from running out of control. He's, he's going to, he's given you this sound mind. He's associated with you. He cohabitates with you. He convenes with you. He's, he's going to depart. He's willing to go through whatever life brings into you. He's willing to go through with it. And so we go clear over the, the, to, uh, let me see, verse 12 at the very end of this. I'm going to wrap up with this. And Paul said, I'm persuaded that he, that God, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day or until the end. Do you, have any, do you have anything you need to commit to him today? Let's stand up. Do you have anything that is just like, Lord, this, this thing's a little bit bigger than I am. I'm going to commit it to you, Lord. I'm going to take it. What's that mean? I'm going to take it, and I'm going to cast this care upon you. Why? Because you care for me, number one. Because you take that commitment that I make to you serious. He takes it serious. He will persuade you how serious he takes it. I'm persuaded, the apostle said. He's telling young Timothy, Timothy, I was young and I'm old. I've had a lot of goes in life and all this kind of thing. One thing I've learned, one thing I'm absolutely convinced of, one thing that I have no doubt about is, Timothy, everything that I've committed to God, he's kept it. You don't know my child. They're out running, running wild without God. Commit them to the Lord. Oh, I know it's scary. Commit them to the Lord. Commit her to the Lord. I mean, I can go through the list of all things. Whatever it is that would bring fear. Commit that thing immediate to If it brings fear to you, I commit it to you, Jesus. Right now, I commit it to you. The quicker you do it, the better you'll be. <laughs> The quicker you do it, the less counseling you're going to need later or whatever, you know. The quicker you do it, Lord, I commit this to you. I commit this to you. How many have something right now? Just shut your eyes and just say, Lord, I commit it to you. If it's a person, call out their name. I commit them to you. If it's a circumstance, commit it right now. Just say, Lord, I commit this, this fill-in-the-blank circumstance to you right now, Jesus. If it's, a, if it's an issue within your body, I commit it to you right now, Lord. If it's a relationship, I commit it to you right now, Lord. If it's something that you have an inner struggle and inner turmoil about, the Lord's concerned about it, Lord, I commit it to you. I'm persuaded that, Lord, when I make that commitment to you, that you're going to keep it, you're going to watch over, you're going to go through to the very end with me. In Jesus' name. I commit it to you, Lord. Just so you know, I've committed this building to the Lord <laughs> a number of times and will continue to do so.